Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. And welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout and coach Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and if you're used to listening to us on Rush the Field College Football Podcast, well, it's same bat time but different bat channel, Chris, because we are now the College Football Film Room. Yeah, you know, and it really is is a, a great that we're going to be able to kind of take you, do a lot of the things that we've done. We're going to streamline it and make things a little bit better, and we certainly want your feedback. But we want to really take you inside the world of college football, into the personnel, into the coaching, into the film room, to where we see the game at a different level. So it's not your uh, everyday podcast. It's something that's a little bit different. We obviously do our pro football podcast and we want to uh, basically uh, run parallel with that with a really great college film room podcast. So we're really excited about uh, what we've got going on here. So join us every week. That's right. If you were a subscriber to Rush the Field, just click the subscribe on the new links for the College Football Film Room podcast, and you'll get it delivered just like you did with Rush the Field every single Wednesday morning when you wake up. And be sure to follow us on social media at Landry Football and at Scott's On Air. Now, Chris, there's some news that's going on right now as we prepare for training camps around the country. The transfer period is actually actually still going on because Mm -hmm. we're still getting some transfer news and the latest is that former Florida cornerback Chris Steele is going to Oregon we've talked about Oregon at length this offseason the job that they have done recruiting players bringing in one of the best recruiting classes they've had in years the top class in the Pac-12 and now a marquee cornerback goes to Mario Cristobal's Ducks This is a pretty good get for this team. Well, it's a really good get. And, of course, Oregon assistant coach Dante Williams is the main reason for that. He's got a connection, obviously, with Chris Steele. And so that led to the the process. And this is a five-star player that – you know, had some issues uh, off the field. Not him, but he had a relationship issues with a couple of teammates, uh, including his roommate, Jalen Jones, who got into some trouble. And it just got sideways in a hurry, Scott. I mean, it, it became one of those things, and as it does in today's world, it seemingly goes to the Twitter world. And, and uh, other teammates kind of took shots at him. And so um, Florida loses a, a really good player. By the way, they, they even lost a five-star commitment in the class of 2021 today. So it hasn't been a great great week. You know, Georgia Georgia had that run with suspensions. Florida's having a little bit of an issue that I don't know that it's sound the alarms time, but it's just more of a, okay, a couple of things need to probably get their house in order a little bit more. But uh, Chris Steele is off to Oregon, really good player, uh, an elite cover guy, uh, an elite playmaker as a non-Nepal defender. So going to be uh, an interesting move for them and uh, one that uh, will certainly serve them well in the secondary in the pass happy league. So an elite guy in the secondary to go along with the elite pass rusher that is Kayvon Thibodeau. This team is off to a promising start for 2019 and beyond. Yeah, there's no question about it. When you look at the Pac-12 right now, there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's some certainties. One, Washington is well coached, and they get good players, but maybe not the elite players. 
but they coach them up as good as anybody in the country. Oregon is certainly under Murray, of course, the ball recruiting very well, uh-huh. and we'll see if they can challenge them in the north. And in the south, it's, man, you got Utah that's very well coached. Uh, USC, massive underachieving. We'll see what they can do, if they can you know, turn it around or obviously have to turn around their coaching cycle. But I, there's no question that that it's been Washington who's controlled the league. But Oregon, that's trying to make some noise, as you mentioned, in recruiting, we'll see if it can translate to, to some consistency on the field because on the field development hadn't been quite as good. But Mario and his staff hadn't been there long enough. So let's see and give them some time if they can do something with this uh, really good uh, good group of players. We'll talk a little bit more about the Ducks coming up in our Coach's Corner segment when we talk about potential number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft quarterback Justin Herbert. We continue with what's trending now, Chris, and we go to the recruiting stage and where Georgia has gotten their sixth top 300 recruit in the upcoming class, the 75th ranked prospect overall in the country, and that is offensive lineman Tate Rutledge. Tell us a little bit more about this kid who's, who is from Georgia. Yeah, he is. He's he's a really good talent. I mean, he's a big kid that's got really good foot quickness. He's got good upper body strength. Um, he shows some ability as both a run and a pass blocker. And, you know, he's a good get for them, obviously. Um, a talented young guy. He's beat out a number of, uh, of good schools in the league um, and around the country for him. They're on a big-time roll. They are, they're, they're getting kids in all parts of the country. They're getting into D.C. They're getting into Maryland on some top kids. So some big news from Georgia on the recruiting scene. You know, Georgia does not take in a backseat to Alabama or Clemson in terms of recruiting. Their personnel is top-notch. Along with those two, they are right there in that class. Now, they don't have the skins on the wall winning titles yet. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But they're recruiting well, and Tate Rutledge is going to be another line of really good ones. And by the way, they've got a loaded offensive line, maybe the best offensive line in the country this year is Georgia. They're deep, uh, but they're going to need to replace some of those guys because Andrew Thomas and a bunch of those guys are going to be heading off to the NFL. Mm -hmm. This young guy is going to be the next young good one that's going to be able to come in and I think can be an elite left tackle. Yeah, good point because those guys are probably going to leave early because they'll be high draft picks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a no good question. point there. Uh, Georgia's got six, as we mentioned, top 300 recruits tied with Ohio State, Florida, Florida State, and Miami. And, of course, Alabama and Clemson on top of everyone with 13 top 300 <laughs> recruits because they're, Georgia, they're Alabama and Clemson, Chris. We talk about that, them every single week. They just – the rich get richer every single week, every single yeah, year. Yeah, they are. And, you know, there's there's a lot of schools, and, and we keep you up to date at LandryFootball.com recruiting all year long in our college notebooks, and we throw some different recruiting notebooks. But you can always find recruiting information in our college notebooks every day, particularly this time of year. It takes a large chunk of it. A lot of people are doing a great job of recruiting. Uh, so, But, but it, there's no question that those are the best. Like – you know, Miami's having a monster year, and we'll see if they can finish. Mac Brown at North Carolina is absolutely killing it, and that's interesting to see what they can do. And there are a lot of other schools doing a really good job. Oklahoma's doing good, Texas, and on and on and on. Uh, the typical LSU's got one of the best recruiting classes in the mm-hmm. country, maybe maybe the top right now. It's early, okay? So, you know, there's a lot of players that could change their mind. There's a lot of things that could happen. So don't worry so much about where they're ranked. But at least at this point, there's a number of schools doing a good job, but the rich do get richer. There's big news, Chris, for fans like myself 
of the old NCAA football video games because the NCAA is actually working with a group to consider how they can modify their rules to allow college athletes to be compensated for their likenesses. This was this is stemming back to remember the Ed O'Bannon case that kind of yes. ruined it for all of us fans who were, would would buy these video games every year or anybody who wanted to purchase a jersey or, or anything. The Ed O'Bannon case happened where they sued the NF the, the NCAA. They're not making any money off their names, off their images, and yet all these companies are profiting off of them. We know how terrible it is in college athletics. We're not going to get into that right now. But what I will ask you, because I've been saying it for years, that this is the easy way to get into or actually start to cross that line of paying players, because I don't think there's an easy solution to to compensating players. However, I'm all in favor of letting each individual athlete profit off their likeness. If a player wants to do an appearance at a local car dealership and sign some autographs, he should be able to make some money off that. Now, do the better players profit more? Yeah, because they're more popular. But if a player is going to be in a video game, if they if if EA Sports wants to make NCAA football 2020 or 2021, then guess what? Each player in Division One is going to get a little taste of that money. So I think everybody benefits here if the NCAA modifies their rules. Well, it's going to be tough to figure out the best way to go about it. I do think that you know you can take some of those revenue streams. Uh, perhaps put it in a fund. I have written and talked about it on numerous cases and I don't, I mean, it was ideas that were thrown out and, you know, years and years and years ago that, that, you know, likenesses were, that can be put into a fund for the player upon his graduation, upon his completion of his career. The, uh, I, I'm of, of the belief personally that, that there should be things more to protect the player. I think that, that that we should do a better job all throughout college football, making sure that every every school, not just the big time programs, have top notch you know training and nutrition centers. And everybody thinks, well, Chris, everybody has that. No, no, some are a lot better than others. And I think that there's things that you can do to increase the revenue stream and funnel it towards the use for players while they're in school. Um, helping them with clothes, for example, um, just, you know, on top of their stipend, they go make appearances. Now they get these nice little golf shirts with the, uh-huh. the school. Yep. They get that, they get the, uh, the issues, but I'm talking about, you know, sport coats and things and ties and slacks and whatever that when they go make appearances, they can do that. And not just handing out money they can do, but I, but I think showing them, okay, put it in a fun, allow them to use it. But, you know, I, I think in a way to kind of train them how to manage their money and do things and to have, OK, if you've got your likeness, if you're a special player, that money would go into a fund. And the longer you're at the school, the more you get out of it. I think it would incentivize players to stay in school, uh, get degrees. Uh, but maybe I'm just Pollyanna thinking here. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that, you know, most of these kids, as we talk about very often, the 10, 15 percent, particularly when we 90 uh, percent of these players are never going to play pro football. And it just irks me. It frustrates me to no end being a college coach in the, in my past that these kids don't take advantage of the college educational opportunities that we have. When we talk about as a society, we have people that are running uh, for president that are running on, on, on a forum of 
free education for people and and paying off student debt, which is just extreme in this country, as you well know. Mm -hmm. And you've got an opportunity as a college athlete to get a free college education and you just kind of just completely, you know, fluff it aside and just and think that you're going to be a pro player and don't realize that even if you are in any sport, that you're not going to be it forever. I just think that we need to do things to increase the revenue, but to, I think, educate them a little bit better how to spend it and incentivize the more you do in the classroom, the longer you stay in college, the more money you can get, kind of like collecting on uh, an, an, an investment policy. Those are some of the generic ideas. Now, that is a lot of things to, to digest and figure out. But that's along the lines of what I'd be interested in more than just saying, hey, Scott, you come make an appearance, and because you're the star quarterback at Clemson, you can get a whole bunch of money. I, I don't know that that's the best way. I don't know that that's going to be great for the college game, for the team, and all those things. But that may be the direction that we're going, the way you're, you're talking about Let's move on from our What's Trending segment, Chris, and let's get into what we like to call Scout's Eye. This is the College Football Film Room podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. And in this segment of the podcast, we're going to take a scouting report on whether it's a recruit, a draft prospect, a certain scheme player, looking at it from the scouting perspective. And so when I'm thinking about the 2019 season, Chris, I'm wondering, what team are we not talking about enough? Who have you been watching on film, preparing your notebooks for the 2019 season, and thinking to yourself, you know what? They deserve to be talked about with the Clemson and Alabamas and the Georgias and whatnot. Who are we underrating so far this offseason? Well, I don't know that I would put anybody in the class of those three, but okay, that next year of people that I think are going to be good. Um, let's just kind of take a look in the conferences. In the ACC, I don't see anybody that just jumps out at me and says, okay, let's, let's look at them and say uh, who can be a really strong candidate. All right, let's go to the SEC. I think Auburn has a chance to be really good defensively. I think LSU could be a really good team. Uh, I think that um, uh, th those kind of jump out at me. Now, there'll be some improved teams. When you go to the Big Ten, uh, I know it's old hat, but is it time maybe for Michigan? They're, they've got some, a couple of good young players. i got some. Well, it better be time or else I don't know how much well, Long Harbaugh is going to be there. Well, I know he'll be there for 2020 unless he decides uh -huh. to leave. But there's no question that this is time for him. Losing to Urban Meyer is one thing. But, you know, Michigan's got some talent. I expect Wisconsin to rebound again. Look out for Northwestern. Hunter Johnson, I think, is going to be a good fit down the road for them. But that's a pretty good team as well. Um, I, I think in the Pac-12, uh, it's going to be more of the same of what we've seen. I'm curious to see if maybe Arizona and Khalil Tate can do something that might surprise some folks. In the Big 12, I think TCU's an interesting team. Texas is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm starting to see the defense start to develop some things that I think are really impressive. They, I love their safeties. They've got probably as deep of a safety class mm -hmm. as there is in the country and Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones and BJ Foster. This defense can be pretty good offensively. Um, it's going to be about what can they get done 
in the passing game. I want to see the running game get more consistency. I thought they were able to win some shootout with, with Ellinger last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ground game wasn't awful, but it needs to be better to complement the defense. If the defense continues to grow, they can become a challenger in, to Oklahoma. And that's really the only team week in and week out that can be a true challenger. So, well, you, you, those, just, hit, well, you just hit the nail on the head, though, with them. Like For, for Sam Ellinger now, this is uh, you. You try to think back over the past however many years since it's been that Texas had a bona fide, legit starting quarterback on their center, somebody that you knew was going to be the guy. You know, maybe you have to go back maybe ten years to go back to Colt McCoy before you know before you knew they had one of the top tier quarterbacks in the country. That's who Sam Ellinger is now for this Texas team. Yeah, he's a big time leader, and I think he can throw accurate chart to medium and kind of lead the team, but this needs to be a ball control team. So I look at Texas as the, um, as the outlier in the, in the conference, meaning I think they're the one team that maybe can play half court ball, if you will, to use a basketball analogy that they can play ball control. If that running game can be as good as, as I mentioned, uh, and with Sam, I think they can be really good and maybe challenge um, and maybe go through that league and kind of slow down some of these offenses and maybe win that style. If they can't, maybe they can't keep up with the running game on offense, then it could it could go the other way. But I, I think Texas is certainly one of the teams, along with others, that there are a lot of teams that I'm excited about watching and about seeing what they can be. Uh, but yet it's a little bit early to kind of see who might be really good or really challengers. But when you look at it, who's going to be, and I'm not going to, even suggest that you would have Georgia and Alabama as both in the playoffs because it's likely they're going to knock one another out, but we don't know. And it's way, way too early Uh for this, but uh I clearly say that, that it's likely one of those teams and Clemson that I would be shocked if they're not in the playoffs at this point. So something would have to happen really bad. Um, The big 10, I think Ohio state's the only team really that's a, a national playoff contender. But, you know, maybe can somebody else sneak in out of the West? Maybe Michigan surprises. But I think it's really only Ohio State um, out in, in the Big 12. I think it's Oklahoma to a lesser degree, Texas, as I just mentioned. But I think it's those two. Um, there's nobody else out of the ACC. Uh, we've talked about the SCT, SEC with well, Alabama, Chris, Georgia. Well, someone that we there's, didn't talk about yet, Notre Dame. Ian, well, and I was going to get to coming, them in a second. Yeah, but, Ian but Book first, coming back? Well, Ian Book, you know, I just don't think that their their schedule is going to be a little bit more difficult this year. I think because I think the teams on it are going to be a little bit better. Last year at this time, it looked like a difficult schedule yeah, as well. But yeah, you're right. You're I right. don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen, they will never admit this, but Notre Dame has to go unbeaten because if they are a one loss team, a team that wins a conference is going to get in. We've seen the Notre Dame's unbeaten make the run and, you know, really look good and get into the playoffs and don't match up very well. So Mm -hmm. I think that it really matters that if they're unbeaten and, you know, there's another option, Notre Dame might be on the outside looking. I don't know. It's way too early for the West Coast and saying, all right, look, can somebody, you know, do a good job? Uh, Can an Oregon or Washington, obviously Oregon plays um, uh, Auburn early. So, you know, that's going to tell a lot. Could they be shut out again? I think that's kind of where we're looking and, you know, college football is an elitist sport. We've said that time and time again. I don't think there are many people that are going to be sleepers in terms of 
like who can make the national playoffs. I think we know the handful of teams that can do that. The, the certainly two or three that, that look like playoff teams and maybe the five or six that could be on the verge. The rest of the teams are going to be about who can have good years that might surprise. Could Virginia with Bryce Perkins, who's a, to me another fun player to watch, could they surprise uh, in that league? Could the Cincinnati with a really good running back and Michael Warren do a good job in helping you know, them maybe a, be a factor in the AAC? Could Central Florida be good again and make another run and at least have some conversation? That's what I'm looking for. But it's not a lot of surprises, as it rarely ever is in college football. Let's move along to the coach's corner, which is where we break down a specific player or maybe a position group, a coaching staff or whatnot. And Chris, for this episode, I want to talk about a guy who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, potential number one overall pick in the next year's NFL draft. And that is Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. As a coach, and you have this guy under center, what level of confidence does that give for you calling plays, for you knowing that you have a leader on the field, and for his ability to go out there and win games. When you see Justin Herbert, what do you see? Well, I see a very uh, skilled, um, you know, without any physical holes type of prospect. Uh, And I think he is only improved and only going to get better. I still think there's leaps and bounds where he can improve in terms of decision-making in terms of being able to see it and anticipate a little bit better. But here's what you can do with him. You know, you he's so big and he he's makes so every athletic. Throw. He makes every throw. He, well, he can make every throw, but he doesn't make every throw on time. He doesn't make uh-huh. every right decision on the throw. Uh-huh. But physically, he can throw it anywhere he needs to throw it. He can sling it. There's no question. Now, he will test coverages. He'll be very aggressive. He can throw it off different platforms with a sidearm release. He's got a great deal of velocity. I mean, he can, you know, he can beat you through uh, playing some cover too. can beat you through those zones and zip it in. Um, you know, he's he's mechanically very unsound in his lower body. He's got some rocking mechanics, which lead to the ball coming out a little inconsistent and inaccurate. The weight will get back on his back foot. Um, I don't think he's really. Uh, good with his internal clock of when to get rid of the ball. But I think he's had some injuries. I think he gets a little, you know, uh, uh, pocket shy. And and so I think he'll tend to kind of not hang in there as much. But this guy is got a lot of potential. He's got to do a better job under pressure, rush pressure. And those big moments in the big games, we're going to see. We're going to see it early. We're going to see it often from him. So, you know, in terms of the game plan, I think you can do a lot with it. I think they'll put up great numbers. I think they're going to be one of the best offensive teams in the country from a productivity standpoint. But in the big games, in the big moments, can he stand up under the rush pressure and deliver? That's going to be key and is going to determine a lot. I am proud of him for his decision to come back. He Uh needs development. I don't expect him to come back for the next year. But, I, you know, it would be great if more guys do that. I think developing these guys is the biggest problem we have with these young players today. And this guy's got all the physical skills. So hopefully they'll do a good job in developing him. Uh, I think he's got a chance to maybe, if they can pull an upset and develop some consistency and play well around them, maybe Oregon is one of those teams that we're talking about that could be a surprise. Mm. Maybe make that playoff run. Maybe they win the Pac-12 and – Maybe they have an impressive win. Maybe have, you know, out of conference and 
um, you know, they, they're, they're in that spot. So we'll see, but uh, that's what I think of Justin Herbert, a guy that physically is as gifted as any quarterback, uh, and certainly as it relates to how you draw up a pro-style quarterback in next year's draft, he's clearly number one. Does he have the intangibles? That's what we need to determine, and he's going to have to determine that with his play. What about play call? Who's first of all? Who's calling? The, is Cristobal calling the plays, or is Marcus Arroyo calling the plays? No, Arroyo's going to call it. Okay. Cristobal, I, you know, I think it's going to be right now. I don't think it's a hundred percent decided. I mean, I think Mario's going to be heavily involved, but I think Arroyo will will be um, will be likely the play caller. At least that's the plan that I understand, but. I, I, it's been a little bit vague on how they plan on doing it. They've been a little bit vague about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But I don't have any issues with like the play calling and this offense being good. What I have an issue or what I have a question about, I shouldn't have an issue. Is uh-huh. The question is how much he's going to develop in the pocket and making plays. That's, you know, I know what he can do physically. What I want to know is how consistently is he going to do it? That's, that's going to be the key. Cause at the next level, it's not just about the plays that you make, but it's about the plays you don't make. And mm-hmm. then so, again, how much you're able to grow and learn is going to say a lot about where he's going to be. Well, Chris, on LandryFootball.com, fans can find everything they need to know about college football and the NFL. And at this time of the offseason, you mentioned the recruiting is picking up. We've talked about certainly the transfer portal at length on Rush the Field, which was the former name of this podcast. But when we go to LandryFootball.com, for the college football fan in particular, what are you focused in on right here in the month of May? Well, we're really break. I've been breaking down so much tape on the college guys' spring practice tape and spring games, but mostly the spring practices, and providing some nuggets in our notebooks every day. And then also, you know, from talking to coaches, providing some of those nuggets. And then you pick up things that you hear, and you, we, we kind of put it in perspective for you all in our notebooks about recruiting, about personnel, about transfers. And you mentioned transfers. The reason why transfers are kind of picking up right now is because most most colleges, some are on the quarter system, most are on the semester system, and the semesters are ending right now. Most, some of them have already ended. So this is where a lot of kids will, okay, transfer to maybe get into the, um, if not intercession, get into summer session or fall session. So you're going to see guys being transferred. And some of them, like Troy's quarterback, just transferred to Kentucky to be the backup. Um, and you've got some others that go the other way because Kentucky's, Kentucky's quarterback just went to Ohio State. So. Well, yeah, but they're start, <laughs> but they're you're correct, but yeah. their starters in good place. So now this young kid's really good. Sorry's going to be a good backup for him. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on college free agency, if you will. But the, our breakdowns of each school and the rosters um, of the top players and, and what makes the players tick and what their offensive and defensive uh, systems will look like going into this year. That's what we do at LandrisFootball.com this time of year. So, And we do it you know, gradually and every day so you can absorb it and see about all of these teams, all of these players at the college level, and not just getting thrown out in some glossy magazine that's outdated. We keep you up to date on everything that's going on in the world of college football and analyze it from inside the film room. And no, the football season's not here, but the film grades from last season are, and and certainly the evaluations of spring practice is something I do very consistently and heavily after the draft. And that, in a nutshell, is what you get at LandryFootball.com from the college side. And you you mentioned the magazine. For less than a magazine subscription now with a special discount, 
Listeners can sign up, become members of LandryFootball.com. Learn what college programs already know and NFL teams by joining LandryFootball.com. Chris just told you about the notebooks that are updated daily. You could sign up for the free War Room newsletter by just providing your email address. Be sure to click on the podcast page because you get new episodes of this podcast, the College Football Film Room, plus the Pro Football Film Room, the Landry Podcast. Every single audio offering is in that podcast link. It's a one-stop shop for football knowledge, LandryFootball.com. And you know that when it comes to late breaking news in the sport of football, Chris is on top of it, at LandryFootball on Twitter. You can follow me at Scott Seidenberg, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Chris, the College Football Film Room podcast is off and running For the fans that know us from Rush the Field, I'm sure they're going to enjoy this just as much, if not more. And for the new fans, well, we say welcome. Absolutely. Welcome. We'll be here every week, all year round, as we are doing it right now in May. Of course, we're going to be here in June and July and August and during the football season. So we want your feedback. As Scott said, subscribe and check us on over if you're an NFL fan for the NFL Film Room podcast as well. So we look forward to being with you every week. Thank you for joining us as we flip over, as we rush the field and become put our stake in the ground for the College Football Film Room podcast. It's great to be with you as always, Scott. Go inside the film room with me, Scott Seidenberg, and veteran scout and coach Chris Landry on the College Football Film Room podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.